and welcome to the I Am Woman Project, where every week we have deep thought-provoking and interesting conversations with thought leaders, change instigators, rule breakers and creative minds who think differently, sparking creativity and inspiration. Our special guests on our show cover a variety of topics just for you, and they share their personal stories to inspire, motivate and empower you, our listener. The I Am Woman podcast is produced for your enjoyment and show notes are found at www.catherineplano.com. Come back often and feel free to add the podcast to your favorite RSS feed or iTunes. All links are in the show notes. Now let's get into the show. I'm curious, do you want to know how to achieve lasting positive transformation, abundance and empower your life? If you are not happy with where you are today and the repeating patterns that represent in your life over and over again, then a radical shift is what's required to help you make changes and live your life more on purpose. All you need to do is sign up to our email list and you will receive an online module on how to create radical paradigm shifts. You can get it completely for free when you sign up to our email list at katherineplano.com. And as a valued subscriber, you are also going to get exclusive content that's only available to our email subscribers, where we will have members-only events, free access to online masterclasses, VIP and discount tickets to all events. Only available for people on our email list, we offer bonus content with more advanced tips that are exclusive just for our email subscribers. There is an amazing stuff available for you only if you sign up to the email list and you can do that by going to katherineplano.com and sign up on the homepage. This week, as always, we have another amazing guest for you. We have Bethany Webster. Bethany is a writer, transformational coach, and international speaker. Her work is focused on helping women heal the mother wound so that they can step into their full power and potential. Bethany started a blog in 2013 that was focused on defining the mother wound and explaining its key role in women's empowerment. Although work by writers such as Adrian Rich and Christian Northrup has touched on the mother wound, no one had yet fleshed out exactly what the mother wound is and why it remains a universal experience for women from all over the world. Bethany's work has filled a crucial gap in our understanding of women's psychology and empowerment by comprehensively defining the mother wound, how it manifests in women's lives and providing a roadmap to a solution with her seven steps to healing the mother wound. Blending cutting-edge research on intergenerational trauma, feminist theory and psychology with her own personal story, Bethany's body of work is the result of decades of her own research and her personal journey of healing. It's now time to tune into this one very inspirational human being. Enjoy. Well, today, this morning, this afternoon, or this evening, depending on where you are at 
on what side of the planet you are at um, today, tonight, this afternoon. I have the most amazing woman for you today, Bethany Webster. Welcome to I Am Woman Project. Thank you, Catherine. It's great to be here. Thanks for having me. And we had a little bit of a technical hiccup. Obviously, it's Mercury retrograde playing with us this morning, but it's all good. We're on track now and ready for our interview. So the first thing we always love to unpack is our woman of inspiration, her unique story. So Bethany, tell us, how did you get to uh, where you are today? Wow. Thanks for that question. Um, Let me try to dive into that in a succinct way. Um, The way I got here today, I would never anticipated that I would actually be in this position um, as a writer, speaker, and coach about uh, the mother wound, which is the focus of my work. And I got here through this kind of organic, circuitous kind of path of, um, you know, as a young girl, I always felt like there was something wrong with my relationship with my mother. Um, and I, in order to cope with that, I really lived from this place of being the good girl and being really subservient and quiet and as invisible as possible to survive. So that was kind of how I oriented myself to the world. Um, and then around the time I was 19 or so, um, in college, um, you know, up to that point I had been living very much so the way that society and my family expected me to, um, you know, I was a great student. I, you know, was a great daughter, a great sister, a great, uh, you know, I ticked off all the boxes. Um, I was what everybody wanted me to be, but I felt really hollow inside. And I started getting a lot of these symptoms that didn't make sense. You know, I started having anxiety attacks. I started, um, feeling really empty and hollow. I started feeling depressed and, uh, but everything on the outside looked fine. Um, And so I started going to therapy around the time I was 19 and that became, um, a 22 year journey of inner work with the same, uh, therapist. She's brilliant and, um, very much a feminist, uh, trauma therapist, um, relationally based work that I've been doing, still doing up to this point. And it's funny because all the years I was there and, and, you know, I have been, you know, especially in the early days, I thought when am I going to get to my purpose? You know, as a spiritually inclined person, I was like, I want to heal so that I can get to a place where I can contribute to the whole and to help other people. And, but while I was in therapy and kind of doing a lot of inner work, I was like, I felt like I was stuck. I, you know, and now looking back, um, I was totally on purpose the whole time. Um, but I didn't know it. I didn't know it. Um, so basically, yeah, up until I was about 27, I guess I had been in therapy, you know, up to 10 years at that point, but in the beginning years, I did not want to look at my relationship with my mother at all. I felt like that was a no, no. I didn't want to be seen as an ungrateful daughter. I didn't want to rock the boat. And I was hoping that with enough spiritual growth and all of that, that maybe I would get out of having to do that inner work about my childhood history. So But eventually I saw that there was no escaping it, no matter how spiritual I was, no matter how many other things seemed to work, uh, things always 
basically circled back to the same point, which was uh, the relationship with my mother and the very, you know, beliefs and patterns that were sourced from the dynamics between us. Um, and so eventually I thought, well, now I, I really know that I have to look at this because I began to see that it was holding me back. It was really holding me back and it was postponing all the things I wanted. So eventually when I was ready, I dove in with my therapist into looking at this and it took years and it was really hard and ultimately, uh, but very rewarding. And, and all the things I looked for through spirituality, through, you know, trying to get myself to look a certain way, you know, all the things I thought could bring me happiness <laughs> at earlier stages didn't work. What did work was the very last place I wanted to look which was my relationship with my mother and working through what I learned was the mother wound. Um, and, uh, so I developed my own theory around it. Um, I started, you know, I'm an avid journaler, so I journaled through my entire process. Um, it culminated in my family with, uh, having to go no contact with my mother. I got strong enough to where I, you know, really wanted to transform those patterns with her and in partnership with her, like to have a new, better understanding between us. And it just didn't work. In fact, uh, it created a whole, you know, kind of a blow up in my family when I wanted to step away from that role of the good girl and the role of, uh, the emotional custodian, the dumping ground, you know, all the things that I learned to do when I, when I got healthy enough to want to change that role my entire family uh, kind of went into crisis, basically. And um, so it, it was a really hard journey. It was a series of years of trying to navigate that, trying to be in connection with them. And then I saw that it just wasn't possible. And then coming out the other side of that, I mean, it was a combination of a dark night of the soul and um, just like, a, a, like an initiation into my own truth. And I began to see that all those things I wanted in earlier stages of my life, I was becoming, it was becoming more accessible to me through the process. And, um, yeah, so it's been a remarkable journey. And I, I looked around me and as, as things started to come together, it was like, no one's talking about this issue. No one's talking about how our relationships with our mothers are actually pivotal in how much we feel we can step forward into our truth. And, uh, so I started a blog, um, when I was coming out of this very, very tough period of having to go no contact with my family. Um, I actually had to request a restraining order against my mother because there was a lot of codependency there and a lot of, um, her own unresolved stuff came to the surface when I wanted to shift the dynamic into a healthier place. And, uh, she, uh, interpreted that as an attack and as, which was so painful because no matter what I tried to do, it, that's the only way that she could see it. So through having, and what happened over the years was through all the therapy and inner work I had been doing, I had really evolved into a more empowered version of myself that my family system couldn't contain. It's like for me to mean to remain in that family system created too much turbulence, too much chaos, too much, too many triggers for everyone. And so, um, 
I realized that the only way I can really live as my full self was outside that system. So it was, um, and I got so many insights into that, you know, into patriarchy, the system in which we live that devalues women and how a lot of systems, not just families, but also organizations and other systems, um, are propped up to some degree by the disempowerment of women. And when we do enough inner healing on ourselves, and especially the mother wound for women, I think is the core issue uh, in women's empowerment that hasn't yet been fully, um, that has yet to be, um, and I hope I'm part of that, creating a larger conversation uh, for us as women. Um, so moving out into what I'm doing now, so I started a blog in 2013. It, uh, it immediately got international recognition. And I started the blog just as a way to really share these incredible insights I was having after having gone through all that with my family and experiencing a whole new level of empowerment, of using my voice, of speaking truth to power, of um, feeling incredibly courageous in a new way in conversations, um, in disrupting dysfunction wherever I saw it. So I saw it as a deep transformational process. And I looked around me and saw women struggling with this, with this mother wound issue, but not knowing what it was and misattributing a lot of their mother wound symptoms to other stuff. So I really wanted to help other women. I wanted to remove this taboo of looking at our mother relationship with our mothers. Uh, because face it, there is a lot of pressure to not go here. <laughs> um, and so it's um, precisely this place, I think, that holds so much transformation. Because what I've discovered is the mother wound is actually, uh, in many ways, a, a product of patriarchy and a product of the um, culture that tells women we can't be our full selves. It tells us we're not good enough, that we should stay small, that we should stay invisible, that our compliance is where our safety lies. So all these beliefs that have been passed down for generations and generations of women living in this context of patriarchy that um, causes us to believe this is reality and this is the best we can get. And so um, I wanted to share that more widely. So it um, immediately... Uh, got a lot of recognition. Women were starting to say, hey, this is me too. I understand this. I've been here. I'm struggling with this too. And so more of a sisterhood began to evolve um, around women doing this work. So that's where I am here now. And um, I have a book coming out in 2020 that I'm excited to share with you all about more about my story and also a lot of teachings and um, tips and uh, what I call an inner mothering discovering the inner mother, which is a mother within us, a source of support and care and love that was is always with us that we can tap into and that can fill some of the gaps of mothering that we missed um, as little girls. And as we fill those gaps and as we integrate more of an inner mother consciousness inside of us, uh, we can go beyond those confines of family and, you know, other systems uh, that have limited us and really build a new world that has female power at the core, at the center. Wow, Bethany, I have a few uh, questions. Oh, <laughs> That's man. my long answer. <laughs> that is amazing. I, I'm, I'm curious more about unpacking what is the mother wound. So from what I'm hearing, 
it, it, it sounds like there's there's different parts or moving parts within what the mother wound is. Yeah. So it could be some. So from what I'm understanding, it could be could it be uh, something like unfulfilled um, aspects of their life that they sort of project onto us? Is, is that one aspect? Yeah. Let me go through the definition so it's super clear. So there's actually four levels. The first level is the personal mother wound. So that is any self-limiting beliefs and patterns that we internalized as a result of dynamics with our mothers. Okay, that's the personal level. And that can be a lot of things, including what you just said. It could include um, watching our mothers suffer and have their own struggles and feeling that we need to carry her pain in order to love her, in order to support her. It could be, um, you know, um, witnessing our mothers and her own struggles in her own family. So if our own mothers had tension and conflict or unspoken hurt with her own mother, that's a key piece, but also with others, if she has any unresolved trauma of her own, we become the receptacles of that as daughters, as children, um, to some degree. So for some of us, our mothers were indeed, uh, traumatized and struggling in a lot of ways. And then on the other end of the spectrum, a lot of us had mothers who were much more healthy, supportive to us. Um, so there's a real range. It's the mother wound exists on a spectrum and, you know, mother daughters, you know, those relationships are on a spectrum from healthy to traumatic and abusive. So we fall, all of us fall somewhere on this spectrum. And it's a combination of family trauma, but also cultural and the pain that women have had to go through just living in a world that doesn't value us um, and that tells us we're not good enough. So that's the personal level. So we all have it to some degree and it shows up in our adult woman lives in a lot of ways. It can show up as comparison, shame, um, not feeling good enough, uh, competition, scarcity, Um, it can also show up in the form of addictions, uh, food and body image stuff. Um, relationship problems is a big place where these things play out. Um, so it, it really can impact every level of a woman's life, her sense of self, because in a way, you know, our mothers were our first teachers and leaders about what's possible for us. You know, how do we feel about our bodies, about, um, our potential, about sex, money, relationships, all these things, our mothers were the first models of female power and what's possible. And so we internalize all this as little girls, we soak it up. And um, if we don't address whatever was missed, we can just continue, you know, through decades, playing out these similar um, patterns and limiting beliefs. And often these patterns we internalize from our, our mothers are often the most insidious because they come from the one person that we need to bond with in order to survive. So our very human needs of love, safety, and belonging are deeply entwined with some of the most painful, you know, patterns that we we inherited. And a lot of this stuff is passed down. And it's not about blaming our mothers for what they didn't do right, or it's not that at all. In fact, I, you know, I see healing the mother wound as the epitome of personal responsibility as adults to look at what we didn't get, what went wrong, not to blame, but actually to get self-knowledge and to figure out where, where we can fill in the gaps for ourselves, you know, and break the cycles, whatever that is. 
because the truth is our mothers suffered as well. You know, they had their own journeys of and wounding and healing. And so it's just our next, you know, level of generational responsibility to make sure that we just don't pass down whatever we received so that we can make, you know, change the course of things. And I think in this era of climate change, um, this is really our part of our, our work. Um, so that's the personal level, but there's also the cultural. And I as I mentioned, patriarchy is really the atmosphere in which mother wound, uh, happens. So it's a cultural thing, the way the culture devalues women and all that are as feminine. And then there's also the spiritual mother wound, which is our relationship with life itself. Um, and so if there's any, you know, uh, pain in our relationship with our mothers, it can translate into, you know, these feelings like, is life safe? Am I safe on this planet? Am I safe in this body? Um, do I belong here, you know, in the world? Um, is there a larger force that carries and guides me? So that's the spiritual mother wound is a sense of disconnection and separation. And then the fourth level is the planetary mother wound, because we live on a planet, a female planet, um, that gives and nourishes us and sustains us in every moment. But a lot of us feel much, you know, incredibly cut off from the earth itself. And, and that's manifested in many ways of, you know, how the earth is suffering and how there's a clear sense of disconnection with, with the land that gives us life. And, and the land is everything really. So those are the four levels, Catherine. <laughs> wow. It's amazing. Yeah. So this is my theory that I've created and put forward and I do so in an effort to, you know, help us heal the feminine, not just women, but also men as well. And, um, I think we're poised, you know, a lot of generations of the past used to say, well, if we don't look at our pain, it will go away. And that's, what's gotten us here. So I think it's about, we're living in a time of truth when it's time to look at what is true and to face it. And that I think is calling us into a, a period of um, profound healing and possibility because facts are always empowering, right? Mm. So it's all about getting, getting support. Um, this work can't be done alone. It's, it's a relational wound and the healing ultimately happens in relationship, but it also is based on a deep commitment and courage to, to look at these places that we'd rather not. Mm. So how does one, so I'm sure our listeners are also curious, how does one start working with their mother wound? What do, what do we look for? Do we look for those limiting beliefs that you were talking about or these, um, you know, these patterns that we might compare ourselves with others or whether it's shame or whether it's the suffering of relationship? Like how, do was, how does one start working with their mother wound? Yes, the, there's, because this is so big, this is a, this is a, you know, a wound that takes a long time. It, it's a, it's not an instant glamorous, you know, kind of process. Um, this isn't surface level stuff. So this is deep work. Um, I have a course that I teach that actually takes you through, uh, my roadmap for healing the mother wound, which has seven steps. And the first step, um, that I take people through is more of a cognitive, you know, place, and it gets deeper and deeper as you go. Um, but in the beginning, some of the most, and this is profound in and of itself, is looking at what our mother's beliefs were. Like, how did she live her life is in terms of what did we learn? You know, what, what did we, what was our model? 
Um, and that's, you can start by looking at your mother's relationships of, uh, I'm sorry, beliefs about things like money, sexuality, um, work, um, work life, career stuff, and just looking at what were her beliefs, whether they were overtly told to you or just covertly through her choices and decisions. Um, it's really an interesting, you know, line of inquiry because we can start to see, huh, where did I take on beliefs that actually aren't my reality? Um, or not things I want to believe, but they were just kind of the environment I was swimming in as a kid, you know? Um, and you can start to feel that separation. Like, you know, my mother had her own journey, her own lessons, and this is what she taught me, but is this really what I believe? Is this what I want to continue living as if? Um, so that's one piece. Another way you can look at it is what are the current challenges in your life? You know, starting to look at, okay, what are the repeating things that come up over and over again, but they don't seem to get fully resolved? Um, that's another place to look. And in many ways, that's the past showing up in our present life, showing us that the, something is trying to be resolved. Um, and if we start there, we can also just trace it back, back to what are the operating beliefs that we learned as kids that are still operating today that are keeping us locked in. That really brings us to the inner child. You know, this work, I know many of you have probably heard of inner child work. And um, this is part of that, you know, parts work is looking at what did the child in us believe and seeing that the inner child is actually a living energy that lives in us. And um, it's actually kind of like partly the brain, um, part of our brain that is still kind of stuck in that, to some degree, those beliefs. And what I teach in my work is inner mothering. So it's like, how do we mother that little child in us? Because ultimately, the inner child is is the gateway of our upper limits. She tells us, no way. So if our adult self says, I'll just pick an example, I want to start a business, I want to, you know, get out there with my work. But the inner child is like, oh, no, we're not doing that. I mean, when I was, you could, you know, the inner child could be like, that's not safe. Because when I was a kid, I remember being, you know, punished or rejected or humiliated when I wanted to speak my voice. I learned it's not safe to be vocal and visible. So we got to not do that. So no matter how much your adult self says, has all the plans and all the support and all the tools in place, if your inner child is not feeling safe because of past experiences, which were legitimately you know, painful, um, our inner child can lock that down and, and, uh, not allow that to go forward. And that can happen in a variety of ways of self-sabotage um, because it, it, she doesn't feel safe. So a lot of my work is about helping that little girl inside of you feel safe in ways that go beyond, you know, what safety meant as a child, right? Because so many of us come to this world so precious, so innocent, we're very dependent and vulnerable. And we had to develop strategies to survive in our families. And um, a lot of those defensive strategies keep kept us safe. They did their job, but those very safety mechanisms actually are barriers to the kind of adult success and contributions we want to make. So it's all about transforming what safety meant then to what a new level of safety. So it's all about differentiation. You know, can I be safe and successful? Can I be safe and vocal and visible? Can I be safe and loved? You know. You know, all of kind of reworking those early algorithms into algorithms that are based on reality now, and they help the child feel safe with all these new possibilities, if that makes sense. Mm, 
I love that. And it's uh, as you're um, uh, talking us through it, I'm actually relating to some of the stuff. I mean, I know self-worth is a big thing for myself and I know that's definitely a yeah. big thing for my mother uh, because she's not, uh, you know, if I think about anything that we do for her, she's always, no, I don't want this. No, it's too much. She's not accepting mm. of what we offer her. So I know self-worth is a big mm. thing that plays out for her as much as it plays out for me. Wow. Mm. Mm. So talk us through what about, and this is something that comes up for me quite a fair bit when I've, um, you know, dabbled in any form of healing or transformation or any anything like that. Abandonment comes up for me quite a bit. Yeah. So talk us through that. What would, how would that play out? Yeah, abandonment can play out in a lot of ways for us as children and as adults. It can that fear of abandonment is alive. It, it controls our behavior in many ways because to, as a kid, a child, a baby, whatever age we were, that we experienced some measure of abandonment. That's the worst thing that could happen to a child. Abandonment equals death, and so avoiding that at all costs was key, you know, for our survival. And so. We, you know, like I said earlier, a lot of this is unconscious strategies we develop to avoid abandonment, right? To survive, to keep going. And our physiology is brilliant at, you know, helping us, you know, do that. So we can shut down our emotions. We can narrow our expression of self and um, in order to avoid abandonment. And um, so it really can organize our lives, you know, our adult lives and, and in lots of ways that are sometimes automatic or invisible. So my feeling about this is to make it conscious, you know, make it conscious what the abandonment fears are for you now. Where did they come from? You know, reflecting on what were the moments as a child that you did experience abandonment? What was that like? You know, how did that play out? And then what strategies did you have to develop in order to avoid that abandonment? How did that play out? How were those you know, some people call it the false self. How did you have to develop a false self in order to avoid abandonment? And um, through doing that exploration, we can start to have a deep, deep, deep compassion for that child that we were. And we can feel empathy for the suffering that that, that was. And for many of us, you know, as children, we were alone. We didn't have a safe, loving adult witness who could be present with our pain, who could help us process that. And so many of us stuff our feelings down. We, we stay small. We don't dream too big, you know, all that stuff in order to be. And some of us actually become very big. You know, we could, there's a lot of manifestations of this um, based upon the very particular, you know, features of the environment we grew up in. Um, so it's about, getting in touch with that little girl inside of us for those, you know, I, I work mostly with women, um, with a little girl in us that's terrified of abandonment. So developing a relationship with her, a loving, um, empathizing, nurturing, nourishing, tender, gentle relationship with that little girl who was abandoned in some way. Now, researchers are saying now that it takes very little for children to experience emotional abandonment. Now, back in the day, they used to think it was like, you know, if you get kicked out on the street, you're abandoned, like very literal, physical type of neglect and abandonment. But I'm reading now that, you know, researchers are saying that it doesn't take a lot for a child to 
have, you know, these breaks in attachment and these feelings of abandonment come up. It can be very small. And um, so I think, you know, part of what I would like to do with my work is to um, kind of help people realize you don't have to be, you know, have extreme trauma and abuse to suffer with some of these things that your suffering is legitimate. You know, it's valid. You went through that. And I think that's part of the process is really validating that little girl and whatever she went through, um, that it doesn't have to be extreme in order to be valid. And that it can, um, a lot of us are highly sensitive people who were very sensitive children, um, who, felt abandoned in a lot of different ways, minor and major. So um, I just mentioned that as a side note. So just validating that little girl inside of us, developing an ongoing, consistent, tender, kind relationship with her. And um, I talk about the mother gap. So the gap between what you needed from your mother and what you actually received. Um, a lot of us did not receive much reassurance, you know, the emotional care, um, the deep attunement that humans need to, to feel emotionally safe. Um, so it's like we're giving those very things to the child. So I guide people through an inner mothering practice, how to connect with her. And so what, what you can do, why this is so transformational is because as you build an inner bond with your inner child and you, you know, learn to embody those deep tender, um, that orientation of tenderness towards her, the child begins to feel safer and begins to trust that she's no longer stuck in those old situations of the past. And she begins to feel like, wow, I'm not as alone as I used to be. I do have a, a big person, an adult self who's here with me always, and I can always reach out for her. Then the abandonment fears don't dominate our behavior as much when we can start to build that relationship. And I've witnessed this now in so many clients and students of mine now, it, it takes a commitment to develop this kind of inner relationship. But once you do, the effects are really profound um, because no longer, do, what happens is if we don't have this kind of relationship, those moments that trigger abandonment fears, if you don't have that adult self or that inner mothering consciousness, we collapse into an inner child consciousness. We kind of become, you know, I hear this from women all the time. I feel like all of a sudden I become a little girl and I panic and I become scared and I, you know, I get triggered and I, I feel really like fight or flight kind of mode. Um, so when we mother the child inside of us, we can slow that process down. We can bring a nurturing orientation to that child in us that, that's freaked out and we can make a new choice. We don't have to be dominated by those old fears of abandonment. We can actually pivot in that moment. And that pivot becomes quicker and quicker with practice. Um, so for example, I can give you an example, Catherine. Would that be helpful? Mm, yeah, no, look, as you're talking through, I'm relating to everything you're saying. Keep going. Okay, great. Yeah, I'm sorry. I can feel free to interrupt me at any moment. <laughs> oh, no, no, um, continue. So I'm just thinking of a client of mine who was... Um, an executive at a corporation and had been there for like 30 years, very successful woman. Um, and as she was growing in her career, um, she was at more and more of these high level meetings. Um, and even like multi, you know, corporate level meetings. So her voice was actually being more and more valued, but she found herself actually becoming, you know, having moments of collapsing into that little girl, um, in meetings where she just felt like, oh my gosh, you know, 
the inner child inside of her was like, I'm not safe if I speak out. I'm not safe. They won't listen to me. They won't hear me. Um, they'll reject me. They'll abandon me, basically. And I find a lot of our fears come down to abandonment. I mean, a lot, a lot, a lot of them, most of them, abandonment and sometimes invasion are some fears that we have as well. Um, so I, we worked together around what was happening for that little girl inside of her. And we talked about, you know, she talked about as a little girl, um, the entire family system was, was designed, you know, kind of organized itself around the mother, her mother who, um, you know, was physically ill a lot of the time. And so the, the whole family ethos was about don't upset your mother. That was the, the kind of family mantra. Don't upset your mother. Don't speak too loud. Um, don't say that, you know, you'll upset your mother. So she realized that was coming up for her during these meetings, her inner child was like, I, you know, if I've upset someone, I'm going to be abandoned. So over time we worked on helping that little girl realize that her voice does matter and that she doesn't have to, you know, we helped empathize and grieve with how painful that was, you know, years and years of being, uh, shushed and, you know, kept small and, and the belief that that was love, the belief that that was, um, how you express loyalty and love was through your silence and your invisibility. So with time, she began to actually develop trust. Her child began to trust her, her inner child, that she, that her big self was, her adult self was always present. So anytime she was scared, she could always, you know, and this is all visualization or internal, um, you know, there's a lot of ways you can develop this relationship. So basically over time, she began to be easily pivot in those moments and speak out more and more. In the beginning, it was little, it was here and there. And then over time she got, she began to see, wow, it really is safe for me to speak out. In fact, people are really loving what they're hearing from me. So she began to be called into other meetings. She began being called into, um, developing a whole new part of the company and her wisdom was more sought after. So and there, you know, which is amazing because I think this is a kind of a story that a lot of women feel um, to some degree, it's like, we're afraid of speaking out that that's going to mean abandonment. And she would, she reworked this pattern, um, by helping her inner child feel safe through grieving what happened to her and then through differentiating over time. So, cause what happens is when we go into a trauma trigger like that, we can believe we're still in that same situation. So it takes an adult consciousness, a loving adult witness within us to actually hold the narrative, keep the narrative in the reality, the current reality. Like for example, with myself, I might say, little B, I see you're so upset right now because it reminds you of the pain that you went through back then. But I want you to know, and that's okay. Your feelings are fine and I'm with you. You're okay. You're safe. And actually that danger isn't present anymore. I'm with you. You're, it's okay for you to speak out. Um, and no matter what happens, even if people don't hear you or don't understand, I'm always going to be here for you no matter what. So that's kind of a message that a lot of us didn't get as kids, that I'm going to be with you no matter what. Um, and as the inner child believes us and sees this as true and more evidence over time, um, the, the abandonment fears and triggers control our behavior less and less. Um, does that make sense? Oh, absolutely. I, I think that as you're speaking, I think it'd be almost difficult to say that uh, the way I see abandonment, I think mommy, my, my mother and my father worked hard all the time. So I always looked, I was mm. looked after by 
different types of people at a very young age and then obviously as I was like uh you know I'm talking about seven eight right up to 10 I used to look after my brother and sister that you know they worked so hard that literally I had to become the mother for my brother and sister but you know as I as you're speaking I'm thinking like everyone must have some form of abandonment because if I look at myself um I was a single mum for 11 years I um used to have to you know leave my son you know at aftercare before care so there must be a level Mm. of abandonment for everybody because you know you have to make do with what you can like for myself I was on my own of course um so you know then I'm just thinking well then my son obviously has some abandonment issues because he never liked me leaving him anywhere um so I'm connecting I'm thinking like this must be a big thing for most people yeah, I think it is a big thing for most people. And I, and it's um it's it's primal. I think it's like it's human. It's part of being a human being. And I don't think we should think that mothers should, you know, there no mother is perfect and I don't think we actually need perfect mothers who never um you know, I think it, it's really not about being perfect and never putting our kids in that position. I think it's more like um the repair, you know, being able to, when there's an, a rupture in attachment, which happens um, just in life, like never mind, you know, really severe situations. It's all about that repair. It's about, cause there's something valuable in that. Like there is a rupture. We have to learn that as children, that that happens. But ideally we have a moment of connection where we realize, oh, you know, we were, you know, mom had to leave me, but she came back and she was emotionally present with me when she came back, you know, to some degree. So it's like, we all have the mother wound to some degree. And I I don't think that's something we need to be ashamed of or worried about. I think it's just about doing the work as adults, because there's an incredible gift in this. And that is like having compassion for the child in us to whatever degree she feels this, um, it's painful, right? But it opens up our heart, I think, to a level of deep compassion um, for self. And once we do that, we automatically feel more compassion and empathy and connection with other people, right? So it's like, we all have this to some degree. And if we stay in avoidance of it, it perpetuates that feeling of aloneness, that isolation, the separateness, the the lack of connection. And so I, I think in a way this wound is, um, it transforms into a deep gift. I, I think it has an evolutionary purpose, which is through our own pain, we can birth a compassion that actually is transpersonal. It's for all beings. It's for all life. Once we see that we can be the source of our own love and our own, you know, our own primary source of connection and support, then we don't have to look externally for it. We don't have to fight with others for a thing that we feel is scarce. We can actually find an abundance of love and support within ourselves. And through living that way, we model that for others. And we feel this huge wellspring of connection and love and nurturing within ourselves that we can extend to others. Mm. So I'm sitting here being a little bit curious because obviously I know that for myself, I mean, my son is 25 now, but when he was uh, little, I know for me, there was a big thing around guilt 
And as an adult, we, my son and I have had this conversation where, I, you know, I used to say to him that, you know, I still carry guilt that I probably didn't, I wasn't that mother that cooked the, your cupcakes and invested time at school with you like other mothers. And yeah. So there was this whole guilt that still I carry to this day. So what would be mm. a piece of advice that you would give to those mothers out there um, that are listening to those, the show? I'm sure there's lots of mothers out there listening to this show. What would, what would be that one piece of advice that you could give them to work through this? Because obviously we're passing this, you know, like I know that even myself, I catch myself when uh, my son was a little bit uh, younger, um, I'd, I'd, I know that I carry some of my mother's fears and then I'd play them out and I'd say, oh, they're not your fears. Don't, don't listen to me. Don't, you know, don't. Right. Uh, you know, so I would catch myself, pass on. Uh, I'm very close with my mother and I know that I carry a lot of my mother's traits, uh, but I'd see them play out when I became a mother. Yep, exactly. Mm. Totally. Um, what I would say is, and I say this to all moms, that the best thing you can do for your kids, and I've seen this a lot of like w- women I've worked with closely, um, because this is a fear all mothers have, um, the best thing you can do for your kids is to heal your own mother wound. So it's like the more compassion you can have for that little girl inside of you. It's a little counterintuitive, actually. Mm. Um, the more compassion you can have and empathy for that little girl that suffered, you know, and really build that inner bond with her, that automatically sets you up to be more emotionally available for your own kids. So it's like your parenting shifts automatically as a result of working on your own mother wound, like the, your own, the suffering you experienced as a daughter with your own mother, for example, with her leaving, um, as you can nourish that little girl inside you, reassure her, let her know that, you know, she didn't, mother didn't abandon her because she wasn't good enough or because she wasn't lovable. It's because mom had to work so hard and she was doing the best she could. So as the more you can do that with your inner child, the more you can really show up with more love and empathy for your own kids and more transparency, um, as well. So that's really the key message I have for moms is like, you don't have to be perfect. You just have to be a mom who's on the path and who's doing her own inner work because you automatically can create more stronger connections with your kids. When you have that kind of connection within yourself, that's really the foundation of course, that makes sense. I mean, if you're, if for those mothers that are listening to this show right now, it's, it is about working with your mother wound so that you're not passing on your mother's wound onto your children. Is that correct? That's correct. And I have so much respect for moms, for the moms who are doing this kind of work. This is really, I mean, motherhood alone in this world is so intense and so Um, you know, the expectations are just ridiculous. And, you know, there's no way that we can fill this type of role that the culture says that we must. Um, And then the culture says mothers are either all good or all bad. You know, our culture has a very wounded relationship with mothers. And so that's a huge weight for women who are mothers to carry to wrestle with, you know, it's just so much. Um, So, you know, I have so much deep reverence for mothers and and those that want to change the path of what they received for the next generation. I mean, it's just a magnificent thing, I think, to be a mom and to be courageous and to do this work because it's not easy and it's, um, 
but it has such huge potential for for transformation um, of the all the generations to come. So it's 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 so profound. So mm. I deep deep love to all the moms out there. <laughs> so thank you for that, Bethany. There's there's another thing I wanted to unpack. Is you were talking about you have this book that's coming out in 2020, discovering the inner yeah. mother. So when we're talking about the inner child, I get that. That's that's um, uh, and I've actually got a little photo of myself when I was about 18 months, and oh, I do it as a way to work with my inner critic. So when I hear myself. Um, giving myself a hard time, I just look at this little girl uh, on her bike and go, mm. would you speak like that to her? And the answer is always no. So <clears throat> I get yeah. the inner child. But when you're talking about the inner mother, are we talking about bringing forward the mother archetype to work with the inner child? Yeah, it's kind of a combination. Um, the inner mother, all of us have like our mother's voice in our heads, you know, uh, some of the, vo some, for some of us, the mother is supportive and encouraging. And for others of us, the mother voice is actually an inner critic. And that's really critical and mean to us. So the mother voice is there. Um, and it's about transforming that inner mother from a duplicate of our outer mother with her, you know, all mothers are humans. And so they all have mistakes and flaws. And so it's like transforming the mother in us. So it's not just, you know, that's the thing that I'm trying to transform with inner child work because we can mother that inner child, but we don't want to do it the same way that our mothers did it to us. So it's like, how do we become the mothers that we always needed for ourselves, the mothers that we wanted when we were kids. So it's like the inner mother is definitely pulling on that mother archetype, the all loving, all giving mother absolutely that's part of it and it's like how do we live that archetype in our everyday lives in very specific ways that fill that gap of mothering that we needed so for example when i teach retreats and workshops i ask women to think about what were some of the things that you wished your mother did for you when you were a little girl for me one of those things i wished was that my mother would i wished that she would brush my hair at night you know lovingly like mothers did or i wish she would you know, give me a bubble bath or something. I was very much on my own with like, you know, hygiene and stuff. I felt kind of alone in that from a really young age. So that was something I really wanted was my mother to like gently and in a motherly way, brush my hair at night before I went to sleep. I really craved that kind of like warm mothering affection. And, uh, and, and I started doing that actually for myself as an adult. And that really, there's something about it that really filled me. It really filled my heart. It really nurtured me in a way that other things didn't. So I think there's like real value in looking at what did you miss out on? What did you crave? What did you long for as a little girl? And then doing precisely those things. Because that is a real form of love. And um, it's like your inner child's love language, really. Um so that's a key piece to it. And then another piece is, you know, all of us, even though we're adult women, we still long for mother. You know, you know, I was talking to um, a friend of mine who's pregnant and she was saying, I'm so tired. Sometimes I just wish I could put my head in the lap of an older woman and have that older woman stroke my hair and tell me everything's going to be okay. And, you know, bring me soup and, you know, all these things. And it's true, even though we're mothers, we long, we still long for this mothering presence that's abundant and wants nothing from you, right? Um, 
and for and at the same time, for many of us, our primary attachment in many ways is with our mothers. We still long for her approval. We still long even for mothers who are deeply unhealthy and deeply unable to give their adult daughters the love they they crave. Adult daughters continue to pine for this kind of approval that the mother can't give. So this work on discovering the inner mother is partly about transforming, actually, I should say transferring that primary attachment bond, not to the outer mother, our outer mother with her, you know, whatever level of flaws or, you know, human mistakes she's made, but transferring that primary attachment bond to the inner mother who can abundantly meet the needs of uh, our inner child and our, you know, adult self as well. So it's like, in many ways, the inner mother is a, a creation. She's created, she's made and crafted over time into like an energy, a consciousness that we can tap into at any time um, for support, for comfort. And also there's a fierceness, you know, it's not just about tenderness, which is very much a part of it, but the inner mother is also a protector. And I I've, I've see over and over again with the women I work with that when women get on this path, you know, far long enough, there's a powerful fierceness that emerges. That's like, we've grieved enough of what we've been through, you know, for everybody it's different, but we reach a point where there's sufficient grieving has been done. And that has helped us feel the incredible worth that we have at our core. You know, when we grieve for how innocent we were as kids and we really see that and we really feel, wow, that was the hardest thing. I didn't deserve it. It wasn't my fault. It's just what happened. You know, it wasn't a result of anything I did wrong. We feel our worth more and more. And there's kind of a fierceness that emerges. That's like, I'm not going to allow it. This little girl to be exposed to any level of toxicity or dysfunction. You know, there's like a, there's boundaries, there's a strong voice. There's, um, and that's part of mothering ourselves is, having those, you know, that fierce voice when needed, being able to be the protector. Um, and many of us didn't get that kind of loving protection, that fierce belief in our value. And, and even if we didn't get that, we can give that to ourselves now. And, and that's one of the most empowering things about inner mothering is that we can be that we can live into this. And as we embody that mother, that very specific, you know, mother that we needed, it can birth us into a whole new level of potential because our lives are no longer automatically organizing around what feels safe and what doesn't feel safe. And this, some of this happens in such a subconscious level, we don't even realize it. But the more we make it conscious, the more we can uh, really show up for that little girl inside of us and she becomes more deeply integrated. That's another piece of this is that her joy, her vitality, her wisdom, her, you know, her sense of humor, all these things that might've been in shadow because of fears and, and all that over time become part of our aliveness and integrated into our adult lives in different ways. Mm, I love that. I mean, we, we, I think we're going to have to have another, another interview because there is so <laughs> many things I want to unpack here. Like I said to you earlier on, we've never actually had anyone speak about mother wound and, and I can relate to everything. Like I, I very rarely touch wood ever uh, sick, but when I am, I do, uh, you know, sometimes I have lady in bed going, oh, I wish mum would come over and make me some soup or yeah. look after me. And, and it is that, it's, it, and, you know, it doesn't matter how old you are, it's still like yeah. you do want to be looked after and nurtured, absolutely. 
But oh, look, there's there's so so much to this. Um, it's a big topic, so I think we're going to have to yeah. really come back on the show because I'm I'm like, oh, there's inner critic stuff. There's you know the shadow. There's a whole lot of stuff that we could unpack uh, today. Uh, so Bethany, is there anything specifically that you would like to bring up uh, as we wrap up the show for our listeners? Anything um, you know that you would like to um, share with them while we're on this topic of the mother wound? Sure. Um, well, I would just say if you relate to, if you're a woman who relates to what I've been talking about, you know, the mother gap, things you didn't get, the fears of abandonment, um, and you feel a desire to move beyond that, I would say this is an invitation. It's an opportunity. It's not something you need to feel ashamed about if you have conflict with your mother or you have a tense, painful relationship with her. I believe that the mother wound is, is really a portal into our power and that there's so much for you there. And it, and it's possible to transform that into, um, incredible empowerment and inner safety that, that allows you to really soar and be unstoppable in ways that maybe you can't even imagine yet. So I want to invite you to just come a little closer to the mother wound. If you're someone who's like, I don't know if I want to go here. Um, I was there too. I was exactly in that place. And I even was a very big skeptic of the inner child work, very much a skeptic in the beginning. And I was absolutely floored by how my life changed through it. So I invite you to just stay curious. Um, and if you want, you can come to my website. I actually have a new website that's getting, it's getting launched on Monday. So in, in a few days, um, and there's a lot of uh, resources there. There's free articles. Um, there's an ebook you can read that explains all this, um, kind of in a nutshell for you and easy to understand. You can download that. I also have a course. If those of you, there are, might be some of you on this call who want to go deeper, who are like, yes, I want to do this work. I'm in. If that is you, I recommend you go to my online course, the inner mother course. And, um, that is really the way to get the full seven step process of how to heal the mother wound. It's an online course, but I also offer twice a month, uh, Q and a calls, small groups, and there's a, a very vibrant, uh, Facebook group. So there's a community support and there's a, and it's all lifetime. So you can be with me on calls for, for as long as you want for years in the future. So it's a long-term journey. So I offer a lot of support. So if you're someone who's interested in that, you can check out the inner mother course and you can find that it's going to be at bethanywebster.com. It's also at motherwound.com. Mm-hmm. Um, either one will take you there and, uh, just come check it out, whether you're just curious or if you're someone who wants to jump right in, uh, you'll find what you need to find there. And I really look forward to connecting with you. Mm, ben, Be- Bethany, I uh, absolutely uh, love everything you've spoken about. And as we wrap up, we always love to ask our woman of inspiration to pick one word that best describes her personal brand. So what would be that one word for you? Uh, my word for me is uh, undaunted. Mm, what a great word. We've never had that one before. Undaunted. <laughs> love it. Love it. And the other thing that Thank we you, do. Catherine. <laughs> the other thing that we love to do is Ask our woman of inspiration to share three shiny golden nuggets for our listeners. So what would be three practical exercises that you would like to leave for our audience today? I would say one is, what, ask yourself the question, what helps me feel 
nurtured, supported, honored, cherished, like sit down and think about what are the things that help me feel this way? Cherished, honored, supported, um, loved, um, and, you know, make a list of things that, that help you feel those feelings and then do one of those things every day. Okay. Build them into your life. For me, I love cooking on Sundays and then having food in the fridge for the week, you know, a bunch of food that makes me feel so loved and held. (laughs) So find some things that really work for you and then build that in and, you know, allow yourself to feel those feelings of feeling cherished and honored by yourself. Like you're the source of that cherishing. So building that into your daily life, I think is really huge. Another tip I would say is do some journaling around what were some of the beliefs that were passed down to you from your mother? you know, about the big things, sex, money, relationships, uh, your body, your potential, sketch some of those down, just reflect on that. And then ask yourself, what are my beliefs on these issues? Sex, money, relationships, potential, all that, and see where there might be overlap. And where are you holding beliefs that really aren't yours that you can let go of? Mm. Bethany, I can't thank you enough for coming on the show and sharing your wealth of wisdom for us. Definitely food for thought. uh, And I'm sure that our listeners will reach out for you. Thank you so much for your time and energy and your wisdom. Thank you, Catherine. It's been wonderful to be here with you and your listeners. Thanks for the opportunity. It's been great. That brings us to the end of another episode. I hope you enjoyed the show as it is my mission to reach out and inspire as many individuals like you. And one of the best ways to help us achieve this goal is by giving us a good review on iTunes. It's easy and it only takes about 10 seconds. And when you do, please be sure to let us know by sending us an email to collect your special gift where you have a choice from six guided meditations or an ebook to soothe your soul. Now, if you have any questions or special guests that you would like to hear from, please send us an email to support at katherineplano.com.au and we will get right back to you. You can also find us on Instagram, Twitter or Facebook at Catherine Plano. That's it for now. Thanks for listening. Until next week, please take care of yourself.